During the mid-1950s, a moral panic swept Ireland. It seemed, according to newspaper editorials, the sermons of Catholic priests and resolutions emanating from county councils, that the country was suffering through a crisis of juvenile delinquency, a crisis whose origins lay far beyond our shores. For many journalists, priests and politicians, the cause of the apparent crisis was comic books, specifically those imported from abroad, which were misleading the impressionable young people of Ireland. In this report, Ian Kennelly explores those events by focusing on one particular comic, The Leprechaun. In June 1953, reports appeared in the Irish Independent, advising readers of a new publication called The Leprechaun that would soon appear in newsagents around the country. The new comic was sponsored by the Society of St. Paul, an Italian religious order, which contemporary newspapers described as the largest publishing concern in Italy and whose main purpose, they wrote, was to make the best use of the press, radio, television and the cinema for the spread and protection of Christianity. It was for those reasons that the society, which is still operating today, was devoting resources to an Irish comic. The Leprechaun arrived at a time in which there was immense public controversy surrounding the importation of comics. Initially, that controversy focused on so-called horror comics, those which incorporated crime, violence and the supernatural. But it quickly expanded to include foreign comics in general. This, the 1950s, was a time when most comics on the newsagent shelves in Ireland were produced in Britain, although American comics also made their way into the country much to the disgust of sections of Irish society. It was not unusual for regional newspapers to describe foreign comics as, and to quote, vile productions, foreign trash, pornographic, or just plain evil. A typical example can be found in a Longford Leader editorial from June 1954. That the so-called comics which are being imported into this country in tens of thousands are responsible to a certain extent for the high incidence of juvenile crime is an opinion that is fast gaining ground here. It is amazing the large numbers of Irish youth who read this kind of literature. These imported comics colourfully feature torture, persecution, oppression, murder and sex. They appeal to the baser instincts and to the morons who will be found in every community. Youths who devour them voraciously are bound to be swayed by the false glamour given to crime and gangsters. The latter are often portrayed as heroes and daredevils, and the stories are liberally sprinkled with corpses, maimings, shootings, and scantily dressed ladies. We cannot allow the minds of our youth to be corrupted and debased by this imported trash. In producing the Leprechaun, the Society of St. Paul was represented by Father Renato Simoni, an Italian priest who had come to Ireland in the late 1940s. Through the Leprechaun, Simone planned to offer Irish children and their parents an alternative to the foreign comics that were causing so much concern. Simone was working with Dean John Crow, a priest based in Adlone. While Simone was the organisational brains behind the new publication, it was Crow who became its public face. Crow could, perhaps euphemistically, be described as a businessman. His sermons were as likely to dwell on matters financial as they were matters spiritual, and he was constantly on the lookout to raise money for the church. Those fundraising efforts ranged from the local and charming, think bazaars and jumble sales, to the multi-continental and highly illegal, as in the case of his 1920s sweepstake that was condemned by the Irish government. The sweepstake, which was advertised worldwide, made sales in Europe, the USA, Asia and South America. 
Crowe had tickets smuggled out of the country by using a publisher he knew in Dublin, who posted the tickets posing as consignments of books. Crowe eventually ended up in court because of the sweepstake, although the case fell apart soon after it emerged that the prosecuting counsel, future Taoiseach John A. Costello, and members of the government had purchased tickets in the sweepstake. Crowe's Teflon-coated creativity and his vast array of contacts at home and abroad ensured a large audience for the new venture in Irish publishing. But first, and to learn more about Irish comic publishing at that time, I spoke to Mayo-based author David MacDonald, who has been collecting comics for over 30 years. Up to that point, there were Irish comics, but they were part of different publications. So there was a publication called Our Boys, which was published by the Christian Brothers in Dublin, which had ran for a long time, but it incorporated a small pullout called Sheeran Oak. They were distributed through the newsagents, but their main method of being distributed was through the Catholic schools. So they were distributed all throughout the country. So they had a nearly captive audience. Later on, with Follins did something similar with uh, Sheem's uh, Sonus. They were again, they were monthly, but they were more nursery. They were more aimed at younger children. When launching The Leprechaun in 1953, Crow and Simone explained that the aim of the new comic was, as they put it, to provide clean, healthy entertainment for Irish children. Foreign comics, they declared, put too much stress on sex and gangsterdom. But what type of content and stories did the Leprechaun contain? David MacDonald describes a typical edition. I have it here in front of me. So it's 12 pages. It's got quite a lot of colour in it for, for the time. Most comics at the time would have been black and white or would have had just the front and back page in colour. So this issue has the Leprechaun title across the top, which is quite nicely drawn. And it's obviously in green because, you know, you're, you're trying to hit the home market. The front cover is Space Explorers. It's installment three. It's quite nicely drawn. It's actually drawn by a guy called Kurt Cesar. He's a German artist, but who worked predominantly, it seems, in the Italian market. So that space adventure runs from the front page and then continues on in the back page in colour. Science fiction stories were a staple of the Leprechaun. Those stories originated in Italian comics and were then republished in the Leprechaun, but the character names were changed to give them an Irish spin. Each edition, published every two weeks, contained at least one story printed in Irish. Printing of the Leprechaun took place in Dublin, although translations and editorial decisions were made in Italy and in Atlone, where the Society of St. Paul maintained an office. Over time, as confirmed by David MacDonald, the comic included original strips from Irish artists, such as one depicting the events of 1798 in Wexford. The employment of Irish comic artists was unusual at the time, as David explains. The UK dominated the Irish market so much, and it still does to an extent. There is any amount of Irish creators and comics out there now that you can buy and read, which really, going back to the 50s and 60s, I think you could probably count on, on one hand the amount of creators from Ireland that worked in the comic industry. While the story of the Leprechaun could be seen as typical of 1950s Ireland, the concerns exemplified there were then prevalent in many countries, including the United States of America. In 1954, the United States Senate held hearings into what it called the comic book menace, while there were also tales of outraged parents burning stacks of comics. Britain was another place to feel the growing panic at the seemingly awesome threat posed by comics. There, the crisis had been intensifying since the 1940s, with a range of religious and public figures highlighting the dangers posed by foreign, which was to say, American comics. 
Those comics were accused of corrupting vulnerable children, even to the point of inciting violence. In Britain, the crisis culminated with the passage of legislation to keep certain comics out of the hands of children, but it also inspired an Anglican priest named Marcus Morris to provide a local alternative in the form of the Eagle. Founded in 1950, that comic, as explained by David MacDonald, provided a model and, perhaps, an inspiration for the leprechaun. Because of World War II and the amount of soldiers over in Britain, it had brought an influx of the word that's used a lot as lurid, that out of lurid publications from America. So comics, pulps, kind of that sensationalised crime and horror. And that was seen at the time as like corrupting the children of Britain. So the idea was to create a comic that was of a standard with wholesome content. And the, the comic was The Eagle. And it was a runaway success. It sold in the millions in England and it spawned the Dandere show on Radio Luxembourg. And the format was lavish. It was full colour. It was little printing. So you can see while the content and the format doesn't match the Eagle. The Eagle is the Rolls Royce of the 50s comics. You can see what they were aiming for with the Leprechaun. They were aiming to emulate the Eagle. Throughout 1953 and 1954, there were regular reports and editorials in Irish regional newspapers praising the Leprechaun. And if we are to believe the Conic Telegraph, the comic's influence reached all the way to the Vatican. In March 1955, the paper stated that His Holiness the Pope has approved of the Leprechaun as most suitable reading material for children. Although we can have reasonable doubts that the then Pope, Pius XII, gave any thought to the Leprechaun, he was familiar with and supportive of its publisher, the Society of St. Paul offering his public approval to the society in 1949. Yet his campaign against comics also made opposition. A counterpoint to those newspapers which fulminated about foreign trash can be found in an Irish press article in February 1954, during which the playwright Brian McMahon offered a defence of what he called this pictorial art. McMahon, already famous as a short story writer and novelist, was clearly familiar with the wider world of comic strips, name-checking various superheroes from Batman to Captain Marvel to Wonder Woman. Unqualified condemnation of the comics is as unwarranted as this wholesale condemnation of books, plays or films. Teachers who wish to see developed in children a love of reading are slow to condemn comics outright. They hope that these comics will lead to better things. People who, who crab at the violence of comics should read the classics for real violence. Julius Caesar is littered with dead and dying. Of course, we can point with pride to our own The Leprechaun and to the supplement to our boys, which are now entrenched in the affections of the young. McMahon may have praised The Leprechaun, but his list of comic book heroes was populated for the most part by the stars of American imports, and his sentiments were likely shared by the majority of the comic-buying public in Ireland. By 1956, the energy that powered the moral panic of 1953 and 1954 had dissipated, the Leprechaun was still being published, but it no longer garnered much media attention. Contemporary reports suggest that sales were declining, a decline that was perhaps worsened by the death of Dean John Crow in 1955. It seems, based on the collection of The Leprechaun held in the National Library, that the comic ceased publishing in late summer 1956, leaving little trace of its existence. Ultimately, the Leprechaun was, despite the misguided ambitions of its publisher to counter supposedly malevolent imports, an unusual and brave attempt to create an Irish periodical comic, an attempt that provides a glimpse of culture and society in 1950s Ireland. 
That was Ian Kennelly reporting from Mayo, where he met comic collector and author David MacDonald to discuss The Leprechaun, a comic produced in Ireland during the mid-1950s as part of a campaign to protect Irish children from foreign influences.